Hello, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I am delighted to welcome Evan, my co-host. How are you, Ev? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. Perfect. Connor Dockery. That's dog. it. Yeah. How are you, man? Thanks for coming on. I was really excited about having you on the show. No worries. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're just this um, important cog in the metal scene, even though you don't probably realize it, but with your videos for Zahora and Baylor, um, you know, you've been on my list for a long time, so it's great having you on. Certainly. And, you have, and you'll have an interesting story or two as well, no doubt. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so we'll say, Ev, how did you come across Doc? I'd say... I probably actually knowing who he was was probably from Red Enemy. I'm trying to think the first time we actually met, mm. like actually talked. Um, was there a Baylor shoot? Mm. No, I don't think I was at any of the Baylor ones. It might have even been at Knockin' Stockin' or just at some random gig. I actually can't remember. The first it must have been thing. just like hanging hanging out in Cork, like back in the That's day. And yeah, it might have been something like that. I don't think we, yeah, yeah, probably something like that anyway. But we're here now. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. We'll just start from the start, if you don't mind, Doc. How did you get into music? Uh, yeah, kind of like most people, really. There was a point. There was like a point, like really early on, where um, I think I think everyone sees that, like, here's that one band, or like that sees that one video or clip from a live show that just. The the one that always sticks in my mind is my dad used to have a uh just a couple of like live concerts on video and mm-hmm. one of them was Dire Straits on the night. And mm-hmm. I just have a really like vivid memory of like seeing that for the first time yeah. and just being like just completely blown away. Like it's still to this day like such a banging gig. <laughs> like it's so good. Like I, I regularly go back and watch like certain tracks from that particular show. And um, but yeah, I just have a yeah vivid memory of seeing that and being like, whatever that is that's happening there. Like I, I, I need to do that. You know. Mm. Um, obviously I'd like listened to music a bit before that, but that's the that was the moment where the obsession started. You know, you know, play, wanting to play guitar and wanting to be in a band, you know. So I don't yeah. know what age I was, but yeah. I was pretty fucking young, you know. And then I just remember watching that DVD over and over, video over and over again. Um, yeah, yeah, so... I remember watching Queen at Live Aid as well. Just, you know, certain points when you're young and mm. just kind of going, wow, that's amazing, you know, and just seeing all those thousands of people just rocking out mm-hmm. to Freddie, like, yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Yeah, that was a massive um, album of the time. Wasn't yeah. It? You know, yeah, they're still one of my favourite, they're still one of my favourite bands. They mm. just, they they had like a, I think that, lineup they had a, like a their lineup kind of chopped and changed a lot and then on that particular tour it was like it was like 91 92 but they had um they were just i don't know at their best i think um <clears throat> yeah so they just yeah they're they're just fucking yeah so like, was it just Napler and players then? right <laughs> um, <laughs> I like i mean yeah it, he did guitar playing the guitar playing, mm. the drum, even the drummer on that drummer show was brilliant. Yeah, the drummer, the percussionist, like the, it was such a tight gig. Um, 
And yeah, I just thought Mark Knopfler was the coolest fucker ever. Like he came out, he had like the headband and like the kind of long <laughs> hair. And I was like, oh, and he was playing he just every guitar he played. He played about two or three different guitars that show. And mm. Was he a Fender like, oh, man? This is it. I think he was a Fender dude. He was, he was yeah, like the, the kind of red strap yeah, was his, yeah, yeah. his signature yeah, one. Classic, like. played, um, the one he played on at this particular gig was... I think it was a, uh, you know, that Sure or Sure they're called or something. It's like S U R E. Right. Uh, he had a custom one of those, uh, which I found out years later. I, w- I was always trying to figure out what guitar he was playing because mm. I'd never heard of it before. And it turns out it was a custom Sure. Ah. And then he like with the red strat out and stuff. But he's just, he's just amazing. There's a track, there's a Doris Rice track off the first album called Solid Rock that, mm. uh, yeah, just, I just kind of discovered like kind of album songs years later and oh, just such a good band like when they were mm. when they were kind of when they were at their peak they were they were amazing yeah so guitar wise then what kind of influences were you looking at as you hit your teenage years uh yeah just the the, the classics really i started getting guitar lessons and then my guitar teacher i think it was like 10 or 11 when i started and he he was actually amazing. He 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 was the one who introduced me to Metallica, Pantera, Slayer. You know all that. that you know the eighties trash, early nineties kind of groove metal stuff. And um, yeah, like early on, uh, my dad was a big Roy Gallagher fan, so we had like a, a bunch of Roy Gallagher videos and DVDs. And so he was like. He was definitely one early on, but I think I, I pretty quickly moved away from that because I was never really a blues head. Um, and it was more Roy Geller's acoustic playing that kind of blew my mind. It was just insane. But yeah, like then when I discovered Heffield and and then a little bit after that was was Pantera and Dimebag still, still to this day is number one. Yeah, here and Red Enemy Riffs as well. I think Pantera is. Ah, yeah. It's even groove wise, I think uh, you can hear what in Lango's playing. Like you can definitely hear that yeah. kind of Pantera groove in everything. I think that was one of the first things, apart from being an Irish band, that I was like, these fucking these lads don't live far from me, and they sound like Pantera. Like what? Because at the time, bands back home in Kilkenny didn't have that kind of. We're t- I'm talking like when you know. Uh, Breakfast at Ted's like mm. even that I was like how come none of our recordings sound like that do you know like why yeah <laughs> where, where, how are these doing it like did, was it did <laughs> Ren Enemy start in was it a, a thing like a in six year or something like a not a talent show or something or what was that yeah well like me and Lango met in second year school and Kev and then it was like we started jamming in like third year and then it wasn't until transition year when we did like a, there was this transition year program called song skill in our school where you basically like got to you, you would like write record um you write and record three songs and then you perform them perform them at the end of the year at like this showcase gig so yeah. that was it i mean like until then we'd never played a gig and then we we were given the opportunity to write three tunes and then actually play them. So that was like transition year school. And uh, that was pretty much the first time me, Lango, Kev played together. Kev was on guitar. 
I was singing and playing guitar. Our old mate Dave Lawler on bass and Lango drumming. So, um, shitting it. And like cl- clearly the only metal band, the only band that was in any way heavy playing that fucking showcase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was, that was it. That, that was the, we'd been jamming for a couple of months before that. Um, but that was our first kind of live experience. And then, yeah, so from about transition year on, you know, that was it. And then I've never not been in a band with Lango ever Six. since. Yeah. <laughs> and how did the, the rest of the lads, Jay and all them join? Were they on in the same area as you? Or? Um, well, our, our original, when our original bass player left. Yo, wasn't it? It was Joe, 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 Joe Panama joined. Um, I think we were still in school. It was like sixth year of school maybe at this point. So Joe joined and then he was in the band for a couple of years. And then when at this point there was like Kev had become the vocalist and then we had, I made Adam playing guitar and then Adam was replaced by Rob Herderly. Yeah. And then around that time, uh, Jay Doyle joined. Okay. And we, we, we met Jay through, he was, he was playing in a band called Eyes Closed. He was playing he was drums, drums for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he, start, he started a band with Matt Doyle, uh, Mark Murphy called Shogun Assassin. So Jay kind of transitioned and then he was playing guitar. And um, yeah, so just, we just became really good friends with Jay and that whole crew. And then I think when we were looking for a bass player, you know, he was Jay was kind of the first one we thought of, and then yeah, so it was just we kind of met, and then same with Rob, we just met all those lads through the music scene, mm. through different bands, and really, really early on, and then when members started leaving, we just pulled guys from other bands around that time, and <laughs> kind of how it went. Yeah, because I mean, shout out to Rob Powderly and Gary as well up here on Error. Mm. Were they signed before ye? Were they playing gigs? I'm just trying to get a timeline there in my head in relation to Hero and Error and Red Enemy. They, we, we were pretty much like all kind of gone at the same time. I think mm. we were around before, like for a little bit before them. But yeah, it would have been it. Uh... I like. I just remember when when they when they started, um, it was just this really kind of healthy rivalry we had with yeah. them. We were, we were both different bands, but we were both like, you know, at the same level mm. in terms of ability. And, and then they would be like, they kind of go one direction and we go another direction. And it was just, it was a pretty amazing couple of years where both bands were just killing it, you know, mm. and we were kind of both driving each other on. And, um, yeah, just unfortunately, just the way it goes, I think things don't really work out. Um, yeah. It didn't really work out for both bands. So. And were Media um, Skate um, both involved yeah. in both bands? They were, yeah. Um, so Hero signed first, and then they signed us shortly after. Okay. Um, so again, it was all like, yeah, it was. we were kind of all doing it around the same time, and yeah, it's unfortunate. It, it kind of did. It didn't really work out how any of us thought it would, but that's the way it goes. Do you think that um, with signing to MediaScare and going over to the states and having such a big thing, recording the album and coming back, like, do you feel like you didn't get kind of the release that you would hope? Did you like from it? Like, do you feel like it wasn't pushed enough, or 
Oh, yeah. Looking yeah. back, you've nearly thought you could do it without the label or are you getting benefits from both? I mean, yeah, it was it was just a really strange time. Like the the unfortunate thing was when we went over, the label was like on its knees, basically. So it was just such bad timing. Like Ghost Inside had just left. Volumes were leaving. Bury Your Dead were leaving. They just, they just, by the time we got there, like they had no bands left. Mm. And then the owner of the label was like, he was just going through a load of money shit and it was just a fucking mess. But, you know, we got got over there, got the album done, came back and then, yeah, the, the label fucked the release up for, for the most part. And then, yeah, it just never really, it just never really went anywhere after that, you know, and um, primarily due to just the label imploding around that time and um, unfortunately, us and Hero were kind of, you know, it was just bad timing for us. But I mean, we know your sales. Like Hero and Arrow, was it the vocalist left them while they were in America? Like, what about your members, uh, Doc? Had were all your members happy enough to be over in America, living the dream, getting to record with this uh, producer? And ah, yeah, like it was, it was an amazing few months. Like I look back on it like very fondly um, and kind of like, you know, it's unfortunate it didn't, you know, you kind of look back and then you just see, God, that was actually, you know, that was a lot of shite. That was a lot of shite. But, you know, you're kind of yeah. like, but you're just, I'm glad we did it. You know what I mean? Mm. Even if it didn't work out, it was still a fucking amazing few months. Got to tour America, record an album in LA. Didn't um, you meet Minnie Paul? Was that in the in yeah. his club? That was that. Yeah, we were, we were playing a gig in Fort Worth in Texas and the owner of that venue, it's called Tomcat's West, Tomcat West. Yeah. Tomcat's West. It's like a real famous venue in Fort Worth. And uh, yeah, the owner took us to Dallas to Vinny's strip club that night. And <laughs> oh man, yeah, so it was like, oh, I just remember there was like a big argument within the band that night because half the band wanted to party the other half were fucking wrecked and just wanted to like chill and uh, here we were just like going to this strip club even though it was Vinnie Paul's strip club we were like there was no guarantee he was going to be there okay. and yeah yeah it was like fuck we're going to spend so much money and you know blah 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 but anyway the majority railed and we hopped in a van and uh, drove up to Dallas and I just remember pulling into the parking lot and your, the owner of the venue was with us in, in our van yeah, and we like pulled up to the venue, and then he just goes, he was like, "Oh, there's Vinny there, actually, or whatever." And we were like, "Sorry, what?" And we we're like pulling up, and then like we kind of park in, and then he sticks his head out the window, and he's like, "Yo, Vin!" He's like, he was like best mates with him, and he's like, oh, "I got a band from Ireland over," and then like we were just like, "What the fuck?" And then <laughs> Vinny, Vinny just like walks over to our van. And like I, I was like just about to get out of the side door, and then Vinny Paul just like opens it, and I'm just like looking at him, and he's <laughs> oh like, my God. he's like, "You guys coming in or what?" And we we're just like, uh, <laughs> "Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent." Have any free passes? <laughs> uh, but the, the mad thing was like we, like so he like opened the door of a van, we got out, there was all chit chat or whatever. He was actually just leaving, and. Uh, he was he, I just remember he was so fucked and I remember he was leaving with some young one and it was I, I, 
we were kind of huddled around and we didn't really want to bother him. And then like your man, Rustin, the venue owner was like, oh, let's get a quick photo and let's head on in. So we got like a group photo with Vinny. And then he, he um, just before he, he left, he kind of shouted over to the bouncer and he was like, here, make sure these guys are looked after. So like we were just like, we were like escorted into the strip club and like straight over to his private table. So we go like straight over to his private table and then like three of his mates are just sitting at this fucking table and they have like big like, um, what was the drink they had? They're all fucking mad for it. Crown Royal and oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. ice, <laughs> ice buckets of Crown Royal. and uh, it, was, it was amazing. And we ended up like just like chatting with Vinny's like mate for ages. And um, it, was, it was mad because I remember that night and we all end up getting like extremely pissed and uh, spent fucking so much money. And then I remember late in the night uh, when we were all like super steaming, like his Vinny's mate was like talking about how he was worried about him, and and we were all kind of like, "This is fucking crazy." He was like, "Yeah, I was a little bit worried about him." And it was like he's doing just he's doing certain things that were all a bit weirded out. And then then he like tried he was trying to ring him. To, to see if we could come back to Vinny's gaff. Jesus. And we were all just like, you know, at this point it was kind of like, oh, we really should like leave. Cause like, I don't know. Like it just, it, it just, we just felt like that was probably the right thing to do was to leave. But we were obviously like, well, see what he, see what he <laughs> says. <laughs> it's like, I'll go back to Vinny Paul's gaff. Like that's all I'm saying. Like, if it happens, I'll, I'll do it. Like, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't, Vinny didn't answer. So, um, it was crazy. It was such a mental night, but yeah, the whole the whole trip was was amazing. Um, you know, in hindsight, it was all a little bit. Huh? Was that the tour that you met the lads in Turnstile? Are you? Uh, they were the Turnstile. So we went down to see Comeback Kid in um, uh, what's it called? Chain Reaction in Anaheim. Yeah. We uh so we just drove down there one night and one of Jay's mates who used to be in that band Mike got spiked, like lives really oh, near yeah, yeah. that venue. And uh so we were like going in to visit him and then we went to the show and then um yeah, freaky fans and a few of the boys from Turnstile were there and that comeback gig comeback gig gig was insane. <laughs> it was so fucking good, man. You know, I just those like when just back when those bands were just fucking Come back, you know your comeback kids and stuff, and playing a solo chain reaction. Um, yeah, there was just a lot of that stuff, man. It was, it was, uh, it was really was a dream come true. Like, unfortunately, a lot of it was kind of a, a whole lot of bullshit, but like, don't regret a second of it. You know, mm. did she tour then as well? But every time I die in Parkway Drive, he played on stages with them. No, yes, we did. Yeah, and uh, just in, uh, just in Ireland. Yes, yeah. so we did. Did a couple of gigs every time I die. And Parkways, we did two, three shows every time we died to a Parkway. Yeah. And did you get a chance to hang out with them as well? Yeah. Not Parkway. They were they were uh, a little bit more just on their own buzz. But every time I die, were fucking just some of the nicest lads. Um, and I remember <laughs> Jordo like broke his back at the Cork gig. Yeah, I heard. And, it. <laughs> and we still like we still have this photo of like. 
um, Andy like has like his elbow into Jordan's back in the dressing room. Like he was like trying to like help. Jo- he was trying to fix Jordan's back. It was like this is fucking mental. And then yeah, I just re- I remember after the I think it was after the Dublin gig, um, we all went for dinner in um, Bullen Castle on Dame Street. So we just it was just us and the band. We all just went for dinner and just hung out. It was fucking deadly, man. They were such a lovely bunch of lads kind of everything you hope from like yeah. your favourite kind of hardcore metal bands you know there'd be nothing worse than if they just turned out to be fucking assholes like <laughs> but you know they're they're just proof that like there's just no excuse to be there's just no excuse for being a dickhead mm. yeah. like they were you know I've played with bands like smaller than them that were dickheads you know and straight yeah. from the path where another one just so fucking sound yeah um, so sound like um, so yeah okay I'll play a track there because I saw you doing a playthrough of it there um, lately Doc um, it's Anchorless by Red Enemy so Oh, bro. 
Did it feel like revisiting that track again? Did it stir any emotions in you? <laughs> Start balling. Yeah, what is it? Like, I obviously did did the playthrough during the last lockdown. Yeah. Um, I fucking yeah, it was a lot of fun. I hadn't really played, hadn't played electric in so long like that, and um, I don't know. Yeah, I just kind of it just felt, I just felt an urge to do it, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, man, it's it's fun. It, it's yeah, like you know, I think when you're away from from a project like that for for so long, um, I kind of went back and listened to the album a few times, and you're just like fucking hell. Like there's some fucking bits on it, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and you're kind of like, like where? Like it's just that's just a mad thing about music. Like I don't remember r- writing any of it, you know? Really, really. So you're just kind of like man, like him, barely, barely any of it. Um, you're just so in, time. Like, you're just so in it, and you don't like. Yeah, it's, it it's still a, sounds it's, so fresh today, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, mm. it hasn't yeah, aged one like, bit. Yeah, yeah, which was surprising. You know, I, I haven't been listening to a whole lot of metal personally recently, but I went back and listened to it. And I'm like, you know what? Like it, it doesn't really, it it doesn't really sit in any one place in metal and mm. it's just fucking yeah it, it, it's cool to listen back and you know be you know I do, I do feel like we achieve what we wanted on that yeah. um, you know it was still first album there was a lot of you know I think if we had pushed on and done two three four albums it just would have got better and better but mm. I still like to listen back to that and I'm like yeah super proud of it like yeah yeah I think we'll be absolutely fucking killed if we don't ask, but like do, because I don't think there was any like specific, right. The band is done. It just kind of seemed to fizzle out. But do you, do you think that someday you would do like a, even a one-off um, gig is Red Enemy? Cause I know frustration did the one. Um, was it in November? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something mm. like that. Or hero, hero and error did as well. Yeah, Hero did as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, totally. Like, I, I know, we I know we, all the time too. Like, yeah, I know we got we we spoke about. Um, I know we spoke about like doing something, you know, like mm. you know, writing an EP or like just I don't know, just doing something. But it was it was the kind of thing that we all just kind of were like, if if we if we have a real urge to do it we'll do it and just for whatever reason yeah we just haven't really gotten that urge mm. um, which is surprising I am a little bit surprised we haven't done anything yet <laughs> it's, uh, but I mean you just have to trust that that's the, just the way it is you know but I, I you know I think we'd all secretly love to do something again um, it's just the timing of it really I guess like it doesn't seem like there's any reason why you wouldn't want to do it apart from it just needing to feel right, you know? Like, that's yeah. what you're saying. That's what I kind of gather it would be. Yeah, and I like, yeah, personally, I was just waiting to, I, I thought there, I, I thought there'd be a moment where I was just like, oh, I just really want to do this. And, you know, we'd all just like come back together and do it. And, but that just hasn't really happened. So, mm. so part of me is like, 
maybe we will need we do need to force it a little bit. Mm. Um but I mean, yeah, time fucking flies, man. It, it does, know, yeah. Scratch. And I mean even yeah. listening to that, as I said, it sounds so fresh still. Um it's a decent even though it's one album, it's a decent legacy if it never fucking happens, man. You yeah. know, it's just still yeah. a great yeah, I, fucking... I do, I do, I, I could probably speak for all the lads here. It'd be a fucking real shame for it to end, to leave it the way it's been left. Mm. So I know that it is... It is open-ended, like. Yeah, yeah. it was, was open-ended. and very open-ended. So I would, I would love to, I would love to do something again and whatever that might be. If it's just like release an EP and do a couple of shows and then wrap it up, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> you think it would sound completely different? Like it wouldn't be the Red Enemy that we were expecting, just because so much time has passed. There, it would yeah. Come, yeah, it would be a new version. Even if you're just going to do an EP, I can imagine it's not going to sound like four extra tracks off the album. You know? Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd be curious to be. Um, there wasn't or was there was there extra tracks that got left out no okay no I don't think so yeah I don't think there was nothing was recorded anyway Mm -hmm. Um, sure there was I think there was a couple of demos that didn't end up recording but nothing everything we recorded in America was was on the album yeah so it went then from that to the scratch where you're all sitting in a kitchen playing acoustic (laughs) guitars (laughs) For those yeah. that don't know about the scratch, can you describe how that happened, Doc? Uh, it obviously was the friendship and still the love of playing music first and foremost. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's kind of just so mad how it happened. We came back from a tour. Right, let me go back from a, a UK tour with Heart of a Coward, and I just remember coming back and. It was like November and 2016, I think. And we were just like, uh, we were just something just didn't, just didn't feel right on the tour. And we were just a little bit burnt out and fed up at that point. And um, I'd say, yeah, like in a matter of weeks after we got back from that tour, the scratch had started. So it was just this weird kind of, Trans, completely unplanned transition um, that's just before Christmas 2016 and then I or was it 2015 no 16 Jeez, 16, we're not going that long are we? yeah yeah we went straight from the path as well or was that um, that band oh fuck they're massive now that you were playing over in the UK with or was it just Heart of a Coward it was I can't even remember now. Anyway, I think that whatever about the year, but yeah, it was, I guess like how, how it started was I had, I just bought an acoustic guitar that year and I was, um, I was just starting to like jam just a bunch of folk, folk music and all sorts of stuff like that. And then, yeah, just around that time, Jordo was, he was exploring um, he was kind of exploring his voice and he was he was discovering, you know, he was really going down his own route in terms of what he was into going down, you know, quite a, you know, trad kind of Irish route. And Lango was also getting really curious about singing. And I think it was just that, just at that exact time, 
we all just like really wanted to express ourselves in different ways than we had been in Red Enemy. Yeah. And then just one day, I think to, to practice singing Langan and Jordo, they had heard this tune. Uh, it was a Glenn Hansard cover of a tune by originally by Interference called Gold. And it's still on YouTube. It's like Glenn and his band in the Badaclan actually in Paris, like pre-show, they're like out in the, in the building when the, when the house lights are on and they just play a version of this tune. So Langer and Jordan are just like, we're like, fuck it, we, we see if we can learn that. Like they're buzzing off and we're like, we'll see if we can learn that tune. It's got like two-part harmony. Seems pretty easy to play on guitar and whatever. So Lango took his cajon out, Jordo grabbed my guitar, and then Jordo figured out what tuning Glenn was in. And that tuning is still to this day, the, the tuning we use to this day. <laughs> um, it's that EBE, EBE that Glenn was playing in. Um, so they, they started jamming this gold cover. And then I think Lango at some point in that session was like, this fucking tuning sounds unreal you know there was just something there was it sparked something and then they just end up writing a, like a whole instrumental track uh which was drunken crisp fingers like after the first thing we ever put up so they yeah. wrote that in about an hour and i remember yeah they like lango was like here man you need to come and hear this so I went down the kitchen and they played it for me and I was like, just like blown away. I was like, what, what the fuck is that? <laughs> it was, I just never heard anything like it. Um, but it was just exciting. And then, yeah, we kind of like, I think I just sat in with them. And then I remember, I remember we real like, I remember we were like, oh, we need like, we need to come up with like an ending for the tune. And Jordan was like, yeah, it sounds really good when like you do this, like the kind of like percussive thing. And so then we just like took a breakdown from a Red Enemy tune and like put it at the end <laughs> of Drunk and Chris Fingers. And then that was the tune. And I, that, that was the moment. It was just, I just remember we were all just so excited by it. It was like, oh, just the possibilities. Mm. And like just endless with it, you know, and especially yeah. with the lads singing. Had you heard them sing before? No. Yeah. Like <laughs> fucking Lango banging out the old vocals, and you know, like obviously now, you know, Jordan was just an incredible vocalist. But back then, like none of us had really heard him sing. He hadn't really sang much himself. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, it was it was mad, but like. I think that's what it, I think that's just what I think that's it helped early I think that that helped the cause early on that like we were like the lads just didn't see themselves as vocalists so mm. it, there was just no pressure it was just like ah whatever you know it was all yeah. just like whatever she will go for it no one was taking it themselves too seriously or the music too seriously mm. and I think it was a mixture of just it, it was exactly what we all needed at that time after getting back from that tour and then yeah and then just mix in with just stumbling across something kind of special completely yeah. unplanned and and it just like genuinely just kept just snowballing from there and up until this year you know obviously this year was a disaster but up until January, it was just it just hasn't stopped since, you know, and 
it's just gotten bigger and bigger and um it's still like really exciting for us in in a lot of ways so um but yeah it was just completely unplanned mm. really it seems sounds very cathartic almost like you know yeah. coming back from the red enemy tour and needing like i think sometimes it is that like fresh palette of needing something like they're they're two opposite bands as well you mm -hmm. know but they have certain rhythms that you will hear that you can tell if you look deeply you can tell it's the same musicians yeah. but having that separation on on two different things you, yeah you notice yeah. much now with even we'll say trying to get the scratch we'll say out there compared to red enemy um you know going from doing something like a metal thing to doing like more acoustic based do you think it was much more accepted or easier to get out yeah like from from the get-go it was just infinitely more accessible mm. um i think for a couple of reasons like one it's acoustics uh, it's a very nice major sounding tuning so it doesn't matter what we did on it it was just always going to sound nice uh, yeah. and accessible and then um you know obviously for the first year we didn't sing at all it was all instrumental but <clears throat> i think a big part of it as well was our personalities you know we come from like the metal world which is quite personality less in many ways um I feel like a lot of bands fall into a very similar mold and it's very hard to distinguish one lead singer's personality from another. Mm. Um, and then, Good point. and I think it's, I think it's just, that's just the way it is in that world. Um, but we started, yeah. I think doc, you brought the humor into it as well, which is not there at all. Amel. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and that was, that wasn't like, that wasn't by design or anything yeah, like, yeah. like I was, it just, we were just being, we were just being ourselves. Mm. And I think like from the, from the very beginning, it felt, it felt like we were just being who we were every day with each mm. other. But it was like coming out in the music, it was coming out in the videos and, and that was, that was just really was so refreshing and so mm. exciting. And, and then I just remember, that first year, just the, the reaction, the feedback we get, it just felt different. It just felt, it felt different than anything we'd experienced playing in Red Enemy. Just like people were connecting with it on a whole other level. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it wasn't really, it didn't, it didn't seem, it wasn't difficult for us. It was just, let's just be ourselves do this and it just it was just working you know mm. um so i think you know all four of us are big personalities anyway so um it was great to finally it was great to just like be involved in a in in something creative where all those personalities could come out like mm. fully um and that was i think that was even even to this day it's it's a big part of the appeal i think yeah, and as well as that, the busking on Grafton Street. I mean, I lived in Dublin for nine, ten years, man, and you were going down Grafton Street. You'd always stand and listen to bands playing. Everyone from Glen Hansard, as you mentioned, upwards mm. have, have bust there. I think that was another 
element T as well that people were looking at clips of he and then of course he went up to Ballyshan and then yeah <laughs> it just yeah, took well, off the, then the, the, the buskin was yeah like I think back to like well where where it is now it's it's kind of gassed at I mean we busked because that's all that's as far as we knew could go at the time like, <laughs> like <laughs> how we were like there was no concept of playing it live like it was like we didn't know how, how we were going to do that yet mm. so the the only the, the furthest we could go at that time was go out on the street and busk and we just about fucking were able to do that so um <laughs> it's it's just it's a mad it's a mad thing and, and again i think that that also i think people saw that in us it's like i think that came across when we were on the street like it, we weren't this like big venue band just trying to do the busking thing it mm. was like no here's four lads like that can't do and th- this is all they can do right now um and you know eventually it evolved and we figured out the live show and figured out how to do it on a bigger scale but yeah that was also a really special year too where we we were just busking every weekend and we'd go into grafton street and we just hang out and we do like Christmas Eve busks and it was just, it was an amazing, it was an amazing time. It was just getting to spend. I I just fucking loved it. I loved everything about busking. It was, you know, the social aspect of it. Yeah. The characters as well. That'll uh, be it's just, yeah. It's it really, yeah. And, you know, I, it's not, it was never really going to be sustainable. You know, all, everyone's lives, all our lives have changed since then. And, um, obviously once you start playing bigger venues it's not really doesn't really make sense to busk that much but um, it was an amazing year or two and, and really was really crucial in us being able to figure out how to take it to the next place you know um, that next place then was the EP yeah yeah uh, we did like a instrumental EP called All Songs which was just everything we'd written to that point mm. not everything but like a, a select five tracks um, and we put that out but it wasn't really until the whole buzz yeah. it wasn't really until the next EP where we brought vocals into it then it just yeah that's it kind of went a bit crazy after that yeah I like the fact as well that he approached Aidan Cunningham Mm. For yeah. um, how did that come about? Did he approach you, or was it? No, I think uh, I think that was just Lango's idea. I feel like I can't remember now. I feel like it was Lango who was like suggested Ado, and it was either one one of us or like I I know he was always in the conversation um, because we were pretty pretty sure we wanted a hefty kind of sound. Yeah. Uh, and we just didn't really know how we were going to get it. Um, of course, that's a different element as well. How yeah. is that sound going to come out again? Exactly, you, yeah. Like Aiden, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so we just, he was, yeah, we just all kind of d- decided amongst the group that he was he was the man. And I think I was on to Ado the other day. We've done an album, two EPs two singles we've done fucking so much of them <laughs> you know he's done he's done he's done everything he's done everything mm. up to this point pretty much by the first two singles but um yeah uh it just works you know he's 
he's 20 minutes down the road from us. He's an old, old friend. Mm. He so easy to work with, um, gets the buzz, gets the humor, um, and can, and the sound as well. Exactly. He, he knows how to get the heft, man. He knows how to get the heft. We listen to this track here. Uh, it's Flaker. The first one we did with him. Yeah, I always pick for Sean Long. It's the fucking. Yeah. I found that they all reliable heads. The ones that you know, that you can count on. The ones that you know. When they say they're gonna do something, they actually fucking do it. The ones that you know, that when you reply to a text that they send you looking for a favor, you know they'll actually get back to you. But you didn't forget to get back to me. But you didn't forget to get back to me. But you didn't forget to get back to me. Sound heads, you know what I mean? The ones with a bit of a positive energy about them, you know? The ones that you know, say they're in a folder and they come walking into your room, you know they're not just gonna shit all over your balls, you know what I mean? The ones that you know, when you reply to a text that they sent you looking for a favour, you know they're actually gonna get back to you. Lads. What does? What really gets in my fucking wick? Go on then, yeah. When you reply to a text that someone sent you looking for a favour and they forget to get back to you.
we're all guilty of it from time to time. I always think of um, Phil Daniels' Park Life Blur. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I do, I, one thing I do remember is right when we wrote that tune. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, I remember writing every every scratch tune, I think. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> it's, all, it's always, <laughs> like it always like starts with the music, you know, mm-hmm. uh, more often than not. And then, Lango just starts doing the thing and <laughs> I just remember I remember being in, in the practice room it was actually just me and Lango that day and we wrote the, pretty much the bones of Flaker and he just came up with that uh, oh it, it was <laughs> it was it was it, it's it's a famous saying like you know, don't complain if your if your neighbor's doors yeah, door is yeah. unswept, if yours is unswept or something like that. And he was just I remember him just saying, like, how can we like just make that more like the scratch kind of buzz, you know? And he just <laughs> just sat there for a few minutes. <laughs> and then he's just like, Oh, I think I have it, I think I have it. And then there you go, there's no use complaining, like and I was just like <laughs> It's just fucking so funny, like, (laughs) uh, and then it just kind of rolled from there. It was just as many stupid things as we could put in a tune, you know. (laughs) They've become things for people now. Do you know? Like, there's scratchisms, like exactly, yeah. Again, when did you notice that the crowds were actually starting to fill out venues and they were getting madder and madder? Turning point, like, yeah, the turning point. Um, the, the turning point. I know you got the free gig in Whelan's, wasn't it as well? The, yeah, on, on that the was that the... was that was like really early on. That was after yeah. the Roy Gallagher mm. kind of um, from the video. Yeah, from the yeah. viral video, and then we did a free show, and ended up being like packed out. And I remember we shot the video for Get It Right Up Here at that gig, and mm. but it wasn't really until um, let me think now. We did. But did we do Grand Social? We did Grand Social before the whole buzz came out. Was it? No. <laughs> what do we do? No, we did, yeah we did Grand. I remember we sold out Grand Social, and I remember that gig. I remember just being like, you know, I think I think we were like deadly. But like, not like getting too ahead of ourselves. Hmm. And then it, it, it was it was Whelan's. It was the Whelan's sold out. It was at, just after the whole bus came out. Hmm. And we did, we did Whelan's. And I remember when that sold out like a month before. Jeez. Um, and we were just like, whoa. And that that whole bus tour, like that week of gigs around Ireland was, was the, the moment we were like, this is fucking mental. Yeah. Really- um, yeah. This is this is real. And yeah. and then we went into like kind of a festival summer then, and the crowds were just getting bigger. And 
And then we sold out Button Factory like three months in advance. Yeah. And then we sold out Academy in four hours. So yeah. it was it, it just it was just going and going and going and but it was the 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 Whelan's was that 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 kind of week of gigs was like, okay, this is this is it, like yeah. Yeah. Something feels feels different about this, you know. Mm. And what about people coming up to fans and stuff as well? Was that like weird, especially after gigs? I'd imagine you're approachable enough, lads, anyway. Like, but, but did, yeah. was there just well, starting to be a little bit of a queue of people? Are you the scratch? Are you the scratch? Yeah, not, I mean, not, not really. Like, the, the people that listen to the scratch are all a lot older. It's, oh, it's right, very okay. much like kind of 25 to 40. Mm. kind of age bracket so you're kind of at, at 25 years at 25 years of age upwards you kind of you lose the the, the fanboy and you kind of disappears a little bit <laughs> so we don't you know we we've never really dealt with that kind of carry on you know like def, you know we definitely get recognized a lot um you know if if any of us are in any place and you know, just just really random stuff. Like Lango was going to the shop the other day, and someone in our estate uh, that he, he's ne- we've never even met before was like just shouted over at him, love the album or something. You know, and it's just like <laughs> we haven't done anything this year. You know, and it, and it's people still kind of come out of the woodwork a little bit. Yeah. But now we've it's a mu- much older kind of crowd that listen to us, so um, it's all very chill. To yeah. be honest, you were stage diving. Repeatedly in Crane Lane, uh, were you? I was. <laughs> yeah, I do that at any gig. <laughs> that gig was fucking. That was insane. Was that? That no, it wasn't Jordan's birthday at all. I don't know where that made or was it? It was, it was last year, I think. No, it was, it was, when the fuck do we do that? Was the, it was the Crane, the one in Crane, and the, the Crane. Yeah, one in, uh, you did the one in Fred's first, and that was like. That was the whole yeah, yeah. Mm. And then the next time was in Crane. Yeah. And I remember like uh, stage diving and the bouncer kind of looking at me, just being like, what the fuck are you doing? And I remember <laughs> like I got off and he grabbed me and he was like, man, don't do that. And I remember just turning around to him being like, you're not going to like this at all, man. And I jumped straight back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then everyone did like, people just kept doing it. And I was like, this is what's going to happen. Like, you know, if you get in the way, you're probably going to make it worse. Like, just yeah. let, let it, let it we, be. Like, we actually had to stop. I think it was after the button factory. We, uh, <laughs> we had, we had like a band meeting and we were like, okay, we kind of had to stop inciting crowd surfing. Uh, Cause we were so bad for it. Like, <laughs> just like, <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, oh, mistake, oh, mistake. <laughs> I just got on as well for like, like Bouncers at knocking socket. Yeah, you were moved from the main stage because of yeah. the weather into yeah. the dime store, and like, I think at that time it was so packed. Um, I know you had to cut the set short, mm. but it was just everyone filled with wet, confused people, <laughs> just completely let go. And uh, oh man, they were just trying to stop everyone. Yeah, crowd surfing or doing, which obviously made us do much more. Like, yeah. Well, the, the mad thing is, like you, you mentioned frustration did like a comeback kind of gig in november and obviously that guy guy got knocked out and nearly died yep. you know so th- there's just been a few incidents recently where 
you know and once once we start like i remember just even our london gig and it, like there was there was just a couple of shows last year where it, it got pretty fucking out of hand mm. and we were the ones like screaming for it to happen um and i think we just had to take a step back and be like if someone gets hurt it, it's fucking game over you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. At least let it happen, but like, don't be the ones inciting it. Yeah, yeah. So it's not on you specifically. Yeah. You can't really react. You can't decide how people react to exactly. You. But yeah, if you're yeah. the one telling them to do it, then a crucial part of the scratch as well is the video doc, and that's solely down to your technical know-how. And um, I suppose in each song there needs to be a story and a team. Um, Mm. How do those develop amongst you? Is it just? Is does it depend yeah. on the the song, the lyrics, or you know? Yeah, this? it's it's it. It kind of. I mean, I have a, I have a bit of a love hate relationship with, <laughs> with <laughs> with uh, the scratch videos, just because <clears throat> it, it it kind of started as like just a kind of a carefree, fun thing, and sure, ah, like I. I can get a video together like I'll do it like it's grand mm. and then it just as things got bigger and bigger I think I took on too much of the burden okay and uh, I was I was starting to feel a lot more pressure with every video um so yeah it kind of it, it's it's been great being able to do them but um recently we've been trying to like look at maybe other options and stuff like that but in, in the past it's it's fucking anyone could have the idea, you know. Mm. Um, I've I haven't been the one necessarily coming up with the concepts. Okay. Um, you know, just it could be Lango just putting out a ridiculous idea, or Jordo, or Pete, or whatever. And it's usually kind of a collaborative thing. We'll, we'll kind of touch on some sort of concept, and then mm. it's kind of up to me then to just like make it a thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then that's when I'll kind of just figure it out, figure out how to make it a thing. But um. Yeah, but again, it's the sense of humour as well. I mean, I always yeah. think back to the Rubber Bandits. They had that sense of humour as well with their videos. Yeah. You'd actually watch them for the video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, obviously, they, they're they fucking massive inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, in, in one way, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a tricky one because... Like, I know, like, we've such an amazing platform with Scratch to, like, make videos and do things. But then with that comes, a, you know, a lot of pressure to kind of, for it to be good, you know? So yeah. uh, we've been, yeah, it, uh, or, yeah, just, or just being like, oh, like, there's, like, so many, there's so many things we could do and what's the best one and <laughs> how do we approach this? And so, like, in, in a lot of ways, like, early, it was better, it was easier early on because... No pressure. There was just no pressure and we were just yeah. like, ah, fucking... Like, the video for Flaker, we had no idea. So, me and Lango came up with something that morning and just shot a load of shy. And put, I just put it together and it's... A ter- terrible, terrible music video. But like, oh, I love it though. It's great. If it works, do you know what I mean. Yeah. Whereas now, now, yeah, it's like now. I think a lot of that is down to capturing the viewer's interest in it that they'll go back and watch it a few times. It just seems very yeah. natural. Like you're just watching yeah. your humor. Do you know, like if you yeah. Can yeah. Tell with any of the videos, it's like, oh yeah, of course they came up with that idea. Or that was. I can just imagine everyone just sitting. Even just something as simple as having cans and just spitballing, and then 
for some reason you're gonna this is what you're gonna land on and that's it they, they, the, the whole all the videos just come across as very I can imagine the ideas came together fairly naturally like yeah yeah definitely um and yeah I think when when things do resume a little bit or when things hopefully go back to normal sooner rather than later yeah I, like I'd love to kind of go back to that kind of approach and try not to take it um yeah so seriously yeah because uh you know there is a magic in just fucking doing whatever and i think it it definitely does work for the scratch you know yeah if you're going from red enemy to this you can already see the benefit of having that cathartic thing Mm. just as long as you're kind of remembering what what it started on i guess would be the main thing to yeah exactly yeah was it just to kind of grab a camera and film like did you do any formal training in it uh no like I was working in a music shop in Dublin for a few years and um, it's pretty much just like started. I always, I always had an interest in like visuals and um, I was like teaching myself Photoshop at the time. And um, yeah, basically I, I was selling guitars and then I like approached the owner and was like, you know, they didn't really have any social media at the time. And I was like, I'll, I'll take over your social media. And then that went from like one day <clears throat> a week and then went to two days a week, then three days a week until eventually it just became a full-time job for me. Um, and I was just shooting videos on a GoPro. Like that was all I, the only videos I'd ever made was on a GoPro. <laughs> and then, yeah, they, they bought me like a little cheap, like Nikon DSLR. So that was my first ever like camera lens mm. combo thing. And mm. yeah, I just, I kind of just fell in love with it around that time. I was like, I just realized that I really loved, loved it. You know, mm. I loved creating content and I loved being able to do it for the bands I was in. It was just, I just, I found it very empowering and, um, you know, we'd, we'd always waste so much time and money just having to get other people to, like, design shirts and uh, other people to, like, do Photoshop work for us. Or, you know, I was just like, I just wish I could do this myself. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was just, I got, like, pretty obsessed with it. And then it just moved really quickly from there, you know. And here I am. It's, uh, it was like, that was four years ago when I when I picked up that camera for the first time so Jesus. um yeah it just it just moved like super quick and um i mean your work yeah. with zahora as well like incredible stuff there Vernon jane and, and then you diversify then into someone like nilo as well yeah i mean i've done fucking all sorts of stuff the last few years <laughs> and i guess like how how any of that's come about is like literally just through friends in the industry you know mm. Like that's, and then that's led to other opportunities. But like, all those artists are like friends of mine, and they just kind of trusted me to like do something cool for them, you know. And yeah. um, but yeah, it's so I'm like so grateful to all Baylor, you know, worn out like Zora, like all the metal bands in Ireland, because obviously like I fucking love doing metal videos, and yeah, um, yeah, without them kind of like trusting me to do it when it was very early days for me you know yeah. like i'm still i still feel like i'm you know like i'm kind of competing against people that have been doing this since they're like 16 17 
that went through film school and you know i'm still i still feel like i'm very much at the beginning um so i'm just constantly trying to push it do do like better work all the time but um yeah like all i I wouldn't have been i wouldn't have been able to do it if i hadn't played music for so many years and then eventually when when i did transition there were certain bands that were like oh like he does videos now like you know and like half the time it's like i i know just from being in a band that like you know a lot of it is just getting someone that you're comfortable around in and just someone that you vibe off and yeah it's not always about getting the most talented or like the person that's done the best work because mm. you know you have the experience obviously you're you're in bands and if you go to probably a band you can see there are probably strengths and probably their weaknesses as well and if you're making their video you want to naturally bring them up to another level exactly yeah and and the band needs you to do that you know mm. and and that's a great strength to have as as a person and every yeah. time you've done that you definitely have elevated each band to a different level mm. you'd have to agree with that evan yeah yeah 100% yeah yeah 100%. yeah i mean that's I, you know that's nice to hear like I, that's definitely like a goal is like i feel like i feel like i have a a more probably a slightly more unique uh relationship with the bands i work with just because i've been there mm. um i am there still you know so um and i i like you know i, I work really hard at, at really trying to understand what the band is looking for um as opposed to me just imparting my own vision solely you know yeah because uh, i know there are there is, are some directors and people in the industry that that's their buzz you know but i i just my approach with bands is always like very much trying to find the middle ground you know yeah they're yeah. vi- very much their vision but also you know where how can we combine the two you know the reason that they asked you to do it as well you know like to, ha- to yeah. have a compromise and to create yeah. them together and like i'm i mean i know what bands are like you know i know what artists are like i know how they want to feel when they watch it mm-hmm. i know i know what they don't want i know what they're afraid of i know you know i, I have a they're operating into- on um a, a smaller budget than a band that would be on a label and course, you can yeah. understand that exactly yeah so that's that's another part of it as well is to try and get us the story and the look within a fucking shoestring budget yeah <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah it's part of it but your style as well uh doc um a lot of it is centered around the artist how to make them look good while you're shooting the video what is the artist now is it molly sterling is it yeah, that one actually you you concentrated more on the kind of the power of nature around her, mm. which I thought was very interesting. Rather than the artist itself, you you moved away from her and yeah. brought in all these you know fantastic footages of trees and seas and you know that that was pretty powerful that video. Yeah, like well that that was again that was pretty, that was her idea. You know mm-hmm. that's what she. That was she had a very clear vision that she didn't want it to be about her, and it was she she wanted nature to to feature heavily. So again, you know, I was like, 
grant like and, and I, I agreed I thought it would really suit the track and um, I really enjoy shooting those types of videos anyway um, so yeah and then I you know again just tried to put my my stamp on it you know while keeping really close to what she wanted in, in the beginning mm. um, but yeah that, that, was, that was that was great to work on yeah and what about Nilo for those that don't know about him as well he's a hip hop artist in Dublin yeah no for how did that, many years like how did that relationship just, develop yeah like just just known each other for a fucking minute you know and and again he um when he was starting out he just needed someone he just wanted someone he he could trust and was comfortable around and you know a lot of the a lot of the stuff we worked on um was was more kind of documentary style and um we did one music video type thing but um we haven't really we we haven't done anything big big together yet mm. um i think i was definitely I was more just kind of helping them just get stuff out at the beginning. Um, but I definitely lo- I'd love to do something bigger with them um, at some point, you know. But yeah, and the key's just gone from strength to strength as well, you know. Yeah, he's doing great, man. Mm. It's an interesting story that he jumped out of, what was he studying to be, a solicitor or is it a lawyer? Yeah, yeah he'd finished and all. Like, yeah, did all his exams, everything. He was working in a solicitor's office mm. in Ballyferm, I think. And just, there you go. Do you know, also, one other piece as well that really impressed me was the Monuments documentary you did as well. Oh, yeah. The, was it the, How t- did that the come tour about? videos? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Lango was playing with them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Lango, he was playing drums with them for like two years. And uh, they needed, yeah, they were looking for someone to shoot photo and video for them on the European tour and uh, yeah they asked me to do it and luckily I was in a position to do it and uh, that was fucking such an amazing that was an amazing trip (laughs) but also like really really interesting few weeks Um, just like it was the first time I'd ever been on the other side of of the tour situation yeah Uh, yeah and it was really really hard I was I, you know going on tour like shooting video was something I always dreamed of doing but I didn't for I didn't predict it being as hard as it was just not being up there playing every night and I think it was probably a mixture of uh, just because they were friends and they were playing a very they were playing metal so yeah. it was very close to my heart and watching them get up there every night was was really hard to do. And then <clears throat> being the content creator on tour, you're on a very different schedule to yeah. the lads. So it was a very, very different touring experience, but still amazing. Um, uh, and yeah, we were, I mean, I was supposed to do America. I was supposed to do the whole world tour with them, but um, finances got in the way, unfortunately. Um, Classic. Yeah, fucking classic. It was, it was a shame, but yeah, I, that was something I'd always wanted to do was was make tour videos and couldn't have asked for a better band to do it with. Yeah, you did a watching, great job. Watching them every night. It's, like fucking... it's another string to your bow, man. It looks really well. You know what I mean? You'd, obviously, you'd access all areas as well, but like some of the footage you shot there is fantastic. The crowds up close with the drums and mm. brilliant. Really, really good. Thanks, man. Cheers. 
Like if you could do a scratch documentary, I think that would fucking <laughs> people would lose their shit. And it, I just know it would be hilarious as well. Do you know? Well, well, I'll say it here first. M- might might be working on something. Oh yes, <laughs> we like exclusives here in the metal. Yeah, cell. yeah, ideal. Yeah, we got that now. <laughs> I would, I've always thought it's like that. There's no way that won't happen. You know. Like yeah. For, on whatever medium it, it it will be, but I just. I've always said it, every, especially when you watch videos or any any things that you've put up. It's like this. This has to be documented. Like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Like we we we've been we've been um, we've been trying to document as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, that's something I'd love to do down the line. Um, we actually had. I mean, if this year went ahead, we you know we were going to be hiring someone. We were hiring someone to like fucking document the whole year. So yeah, it's it's um all I can say now is that it's definitely on, on our minds, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you've had to push everything. I remember as well once we'll say the first kind of lockdown was announced and all this and you had was it April you had the tour? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember you yeah. pushed it to like December or November, or did you push it twice, or was it just we pushed one? it to late May initially? Yeah, yeah, and then and then it was to December. Yeah, what was the what I wanted to know really was with the with the album, you dropped it earlier, well earlier than planned. Was mm. there what was the reasoning behind that, or what did you the pros and cons of just being like fuck it, we'll drop it now, or what? Like what was the because for myself now, I like I, we wouldn't have the reach that you would, but that just scares the fucking shit out of me. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, there you go. There it is. Do you know what I mean? Um. Yeah. Like. Like. This was definitely. Um, yeah. That. It, it definitely. I did. I did a few interviews around the time. Actually, a lot of people reached out to us when we did that. Um, and to be honest. It it was very much. It was it was just very much a kind of instinctual thing, um, you know. A couple of things happened around that time, like we did, did like a Paddy's Day stream, and yeah. um, I just remember, I just remember being fucking hanging one morning, uh, lying on the couch, um, mid lockdown, and I was just. Uh, I was just like, why don't we just fucking put the album out, you know? Um, and th- that was always kind of an internal battle with the band, you know, like some members, there was, there's always like half of the band that wanted out mm. tomorrow. And then there's the other half that wanted to kind of do it right or whatever, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And neither neither is right or wrong, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's just certain people have different ideas of, of, of how they want to release stuff. So I was very aware that like certain people in the band would really, would really want this to, to be, to get out as soon as possible, mm-hmm. even though as someone who kind of co-manages the band and, and does a lot of the promotion behind everything we do. I was like, I had a whole plan in, in my head, Yeah, but I remember just waking up going, I ju- it just, I, I just, felt overwhelmingly that this was the right thing to do and then i just said it to the rest of the lads and we we had a skype call and just chatted it out and 
we all kind of agreed that I think the best thing to do would be to just put it out ASAP. Yeah. And I can't say why we thought that was the right thing to do. It just, it just felt, it felt like people needed it. It felt like there was enough. If it, it, I don't know. It just, it just felt right. It's, um, it's just, that's all I, it's the only way I can really explain it. And, um, then we put it, yeah, put it to the group. Everyone agreed. So that, that was even more kind of motivation to do it. Cause it was like, okay, you know, I, it's not just me here thinking this. It's like, everyone's been thinking this, you know, it's like our manager was on board, like <clears throat> book an agent. Everyone was just like, fuck it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and I think it worked, you know, um, it did, it did so well. It, it did so yeah. much better than, than we had thought it was going to do considering the fucking circumstances yeah. you know mm. um but yeah that was uh that seems like a lifetime ago now <laughs> it does though doesn't it because i remember Crazy, when it came out all i all i could do at that time was just walk you know like that was mm. so yeah i remember when it came out just walking my dog for like five hours and just having it on repeat and mm. I, I hadn't listened to an album that, that intently in so long just because that was literally all I yeah. could have really really done you know um, so I think I, it was a, definitely a, I couldn't imagine making that choice of just like I, I would what you're saying is like half the band wanted it one way I'm I can be both those people do you know what I mean like yeah, I yeah. can I could wake Same up here. tomorrow and just be like you know what fuck it I just want it out of my system but then I'm like no <laughs> you don't want it to fall on nothing after all this and I just yeah go back and forth I just hope you make up your fucking mind soon enough Evan we're waiting oh, on I know when it's coming out yeah I'm not fucking you <laughs> what you fucking kidding me no I'm not saying anything yeah that's uh, a tricky one it, it's a tricky one because you know that was that was definitely right for us mm, at yes. the time yes it was um, yeah. 100% other, I know other bands put their put their releases back by fucking months you know what I mean so yeah yeah, yeah. You know, there was no real right or wrong way at that time, but we just... It just worked. It just worked. And I think yeah. I think probably the key, um, um, I guess one of, the, one of the really great things about the Scratch is I really feel... I feel, I really, I feel like that we're very quite in touch with the people that listen to the band mm. and, and the types of people they are. And not by any real necessarily effort on our end but it just it kind of just worked out that way that we have a very particular type of audience and they're a particular type of person and I think um, that really helped us know what to do in that moment okay um, so yeah that, that was probably that was probably another side of it where um, maybe I didn't realise it before how uh, you know we, we, we've quite, you know, I feel like we have a good understanding of, of who listens to the band. And I think that's really crucial for, for any band, you know, is, is knowing your audience and who are the people out there listening to you and yeah, how do you ser- serve those people in the right way, you know? Mm. You have a very rare thing as well that I think with the Scratch and people that listen to the Scratch, they 
they really want everyone to know the scratch. You know, like people will go out yeah. and try to send the scratch, to support the scratch, to do mm. whatever it is they can. Like, you know, if new limited edition t-shirt, two. Yeah, fine. Not a bother. Like, you know, mm. compared to other bands, not to say that people don't support other bands. It's the ultimate underdog story and that's the selling point for anybody that I'm telling people about the scratch yeah, they're in a like, metal band now they're playing trad with a mixture of fucking everything thrown into the kitchen sink and it sounds amazing you don't know the scratch you have to listen to them wait and hear their, <laughs> wait and hear their story especially yeah, if you're yeah. drinking like if you're drinking you have YouTube on just put on a playlist yeah. people will like mm. It usually happens where people are just playing different tunes, and when there's mm. one scratch tune played, mm. someone's like, "Oh wait, put on Flaker." No, no, put on Vicar Road. Or mm. just you know, it'll just mm. keep going till you have just every single thing, and you wouldn't yeah. realize how much videos you've actually released until you're shit faced trying to. <laughs> play yeah, but like the possibilities, Doc, is ridiculous. Like you have to have been looking at America. You could just fucking mm. tour America on cycles there for fucking years to come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like this, I guess the I can I can deal with everything else that's come come at me this year fairly fairly okay. But the hard the the real kick in the teeth has been been the band, you know, and because yeah. this year really felt special. Mm. It really felt like we were we had arrived at a point where none of us had ever been before in any band. Yeah, there was there was offers coming in. There was money that we'd never seen before. There was, you know, big big gigs planned, and there was, you know, talk of America, Europe. There was that all won't sorts change. Of stuff. That won't change, man. Yeah, it won't I mean, change. It's just a dosage. You can't have it. Yeah, you know? no, exactly. You just have to fucking yeah. And put I, it on the I, back burner. Exactly. And I think, you know, I believe, I believe it's it's going to be all right. But like, mm-hmm. a lot can change in the world and in life and in people's lives in in a year. And you know, you know, just you know the way it is with, with bands. It's yeah. it's uh, so much of it is like a timing thing, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's real hard not to be like so cripplingly unsure <laughs> yeah 100%, so yeah, 100%. That's, that's been that's been really fucking hard but I mean yeah it's still you know um, like we're we are kind of on a bit of a a break at the minute um, we're just taking some time to do you know, some personal stuff and not putting too much pressure on on, uh, on the scratch right now because there's just not really much we can do. So yeah. mm. um, we're taking a bit of a break at the minute, but yeah, I mean, hopefully things go back to normal and, and we can kind of pick up where we left off. Vaccine and- gets produced. Trump gets fucked out, man. January looks good. That would be sick. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Doc, thanks a million for coming on the show, man. No worries, lads. Appreciate you. Appreciate you having me. And as I said, let's hope 2021 is a lot fucking brighter, especially yeah. for the scratch as well, man. Mm. Yeah. Evan, thanks crossed. a million, man. Fair play to you. Evan, hello. Sorry, but yeah, yeah. I didn't. He's <laughs> still basking in the glow. No, I was actually just singing Flaker in my head. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like fuck, he's talking to me. Shit. <laughs> 
Okay, lads, you've been listening to the Metal Cell podcast, and uh, please hit subscribe. Subscribe to the show on YouTube. And again, thanks a million to Doc for coming on the show. Cheers, lads. Cheers, boys. Cool.